We're going to start this uh, brand new series, and let me begin, and let me just read to you all the fruit of the Spirit, and you know, you saw those um, kind of pop on the screen here just a little minute ago. So let me just read the whole text. So this is Paul talking to his uh, church at Galatia. And um, so I'm going to have a chance to be able to I'm gonna break this down. And we're going to talk a little bit about the Greek today. And we're going to look at, uh, it's actually, a, this is going to be a three-part series. And we're going to take, there's nine parts or attributes to the fruit of the Spirit. And so we're going to talk about the first three, love, joy, and peace this morning. And we're going to kind of dive in. So let me just uh, read this part. Of, this is from the fifth chapter of Galatians. So in the beginning of this called the works of the flesh. By, live by the Spirit. I say, Paul talking, and do not gratify the desires of the flesh, for what the flesh desires is opposed to the spirit, and what the spirit desires is opposed to the flesh, for these are opposed to each other to prevent you from doing what you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not subject to the law. Now the works of the flesh are obvious, and he goes through this whole list of all these different quality, or actually different things that are um, negatives in life about quarreling, and anger, and jealousy, and envy, and all these uh, other carousing, as he calls it. Then he goes on and says this. He says, by contrast, verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, and joy, and peace, and patience, and kindness, and generosity, and faithfulness, and gentleness, gentleness and self-control. There is no law against such these. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also be guided by the Spirit. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen and amen. So um, I, I want to, you know, I, I'm, my wife and I, we always love watching the Olympics. We love watching the Summer Olympics. And of course, we love watching the Winter Olympics. So Winter Olympics are going on. And so I was watching um, the other night, there's a guy named Sean White. I don't know if you, as a matter of fact, we got a picture of Sean White. Some of you know him. And so this is, what's a, he did his kind of a swan song. He's, I think he's been in four or five Olympics. He started when he was a teenager and he's won, I think he's won three uh, gold medals. And, you know, he has been kind of the, the face of the American, American uh, Winter Olympic team for, you know, for almost the last 15, 20 years. And so um, he competed at, I think he's 36 this last go round. And so he came in fourth place. He was just a, f- a couple of points off. And so he, I mean, you know what? The margin of victory in winning or losing in Olympics is usually about that much, right? And so the, his board, when he was doing this kind of this dipsy-do thing that he was doing, and his board clipped the top, and so he ended up falling, so he ended up coming in fourth place. So, um, you know, I was kind of rooting for him. I was hoping he would be able to do it. But so he didn't win the gold medal this year. But there's this new kid on the block. He's, I call him a kid. He's like, I think he's 22 years old, and he's from Japan. And, and so um, his name is um, Ayamu Hirano. And um, Hirano is just, well, I mean, here's the amazing thing. Uh, in fact, I think we got a picture of him, and this is what he did. This is what you call, well, this is, there's a title for what he did up there on the screen. It's called a front side triple court 1440. Now, of course, you all knew that, right? Okay, so that's what a, 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 a front pike a triple cork of 1440 looks like. And, and, and so in super slow motion, and it's just amazing. And what's really amazing about what that kid did that day, um, a couple of days ago, is... Um, Nobody else in the world can do it. And he didn't do it once. He didn't do it twice. He did it three times. So if you can do something that nobody else in the whole world can do, they just hand you the gold medal is what happened. (laughs) 
And so um, I was reading the New York Times about what, describing what this kid did the other day that was kind of just kind of unprecedented. He says, Hirano is a small in stature and his triple cork was a tight ball. It consisted of three flips performed on an off axis of rotation like a corkscrew. Hirano did it while grabbing his board with both hands. It was a feat of athleticism so daring that no other competitor even tried it. Rondo did it without hesitation, landed it as the opening manure on all three of his runs. And so um, it made me think this week of, you know, um, that, little, that little phrase, to boldly go where no man has ever gone before. And he did that. It's pretty amazing. Now listen, this last week, my, my daughter challenged me actually about a year ago and she says to me, Dad, I really want to be able to run this race with you down in Miami. And so we had uh, actually planned on doing this like two or three years ago and then I had my accident. So what's interesting is that um, I just want you to know, I got my gold medal last Sunday morning. Now, here's the interesting thing about my gold medal. You know, I ran a half marathon down in Miami. And matter of fact, we were just finishing up about this time last week when you all had worship. And I had such a great time. And my wife was, my daughter was the one who challenged me to boldly go again. And so we had such a great, matter of fact, I got a picture. I think there's a picture of me and my daughter, Olivia, holding this little medal. And then there's another, and this is my favorite picture, hugging her, (laughs) hugging my daughter. And so I just want you to know, this is kind of funny. There is a difference between running in a half marathon down in Miami and competing in the Olympics because when, you know, if you win the gold medal in the Olympics, they only give you one of those, but they give out 15,000 of these. There is a, there is a difference. <laughs> so, but I'm still proud. I'm very proud. But the funny thing was, I was, when I was running through, I finished the race, and I was a little delirious. I was kind of tired, and so I finally got through, and, the, and there was a lady there holding all these medallions. There's actually four different girls there, and so one, one shoot, another shoot, so I just happened to, at random, went through the shoot. And so I'm walking up, and I was very excited to finally get my medal, and she, I bent, bent down and uh, be able to put her medal on my, around my neck. She says, way to go, Harold. You did amazing. Think of that. How does she know my name? Well, it was on my race bib, so there you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. And, you know, I, I was having lunch with a, a friend this last week. And he was saying, I was telling him a little bit about the race. And he says, you know, Harold, you know, after your accident and, you know, he says, what is different about life um, to you? And I said, you know, what's different about life is that I have learned not to take life for granted because life is fragile. And so when, when that lady put that, I don't remember her name, I didn't get her name, but she, obviously she knew my name. And she, when she put that medallion on my, around my neck, it just reminded me of just how blessed I truly am. So we have this theme this week about this sermon series for the next three weeks about blessed to be a blessing to other people. And so the reality is, aren't we all really blessed? And and do we really recognize? And so how can we take these qualities that the Apostle Paul talks about to the Church of Galatia and implement them and apply them to our lives that we can be a blessing a blessing to our own lives, to ourselves, to be a blessing to our families and to our friends and to our church and to our neighbors and to ultimately be a blessing to God. And so that really is a choice that we make. Do we want to follow these, these qualities that Paul lays out for us 2,000 years ago? Do we want to be a blessing or do we want to be a curse? 
what I mean by that, the other day, true story, it was about two weeks ago, usually on Friday, um, Cameron and I usually go to Publix and we go to um, go get lunch. We usually get a sub sandwich or something. So what's interesting, if you go to Publix, where sometimes shopping is a pleasure, I, I mean, okay, so, um, you know, when you go to Publix, what's interesting is... When you go to the front of in, almost any Publix, are the Publix here next to the church, or this one happened to be down near Brownwood, there's always, usually, you know, especially during the day, there's always all this traffic going on right in front of the front door. So you got people, you got, you got cars coming this way, you got cars coming this way, you got cars coming out of the chute of where they've been parked, and then you have people walking in, and you got people walking out. I mean, I don't know if you ever noticed that. So there's all this... <laughs> congestion going on, right? And so I'm, I was just, Cameron and I were walking up after we had parked her car, and there was this guy who was right in front of us, and so evidently the car maybe didn't see him, or he didn't, the person didn't stop, and so this guy just goes ballistic. He starts screaming at the person in the car, and cussing, and swearing, and shooting the bird, and it was just all this commotion going on. Can you imagine that happening in the villages? I know. I know you can't imagine that, but this is what I witnessed the other day. And, and so I turned to camera and I said, man, that guy is really angry. He's got some issues. I said, stay away from that guy. That's what I said to Cameron. And so, I don't know, he just went on this real rant. And I'm thinking, man, that guy's life, life is too short. And so there's a difference between being a blessing or being a curse to other people, right? Now, listen, I'm going to tell you, uh, I don't know about you, but I've had my moments in life I'll give you a couple, let me give you a couple words. Coaching Little League Baseball, okay? And so there were a time, I remember one day I went off on another coach and he went off on me and we had words on the, out on the field. And it was all this drama and I got a little, I got a little tr- in trouble about that and so I only got suspended like three games for that. And, and so, um, and so I, after all that commotion, uh, when me and this other coach almost came to blows, um, I, I was, we were driving home and there was all this silence in the car between me and my son Luke because it was Luke who was playing that particular game. I said, Luke, do not tell your mother. Do not tell your mother. Do not tell your mother. So the first thing he walks is, Dad, Mom, you're not going to believe what Dad, what Dad did today. He got thrown out of a baseball game. And you're done. Don is like, oh my God. Harold, and you're the senior pastor. What are you doing? Don't we all have moments? I mean, do we want to be a blessing in life or a curse? Okay, so... I, I picked out some of my top three favorite little quotes that we have in the Bible about, you know, the idea of being blessed to be a blessing. And I really believe that what, when Paul lays these out for us, um, these, these fruit of the Spirit, he's challenged us to boldly go there. Um, and it, it takes strength, it takes fortitude, it takes some persistence, it takes a choice to boldly go where God really wants us to be, to be the, to be the very best you that God has created you to be. And what Paul's getting at and these qualities, he's saying, listen, if you will take these on, then you'll be right where God wants you to be, right in the palm of his hands. So I, I found these kind of blessed to be a blessing scriptures. I love this. So uh, Jesus said this. He says, give to others and you will receive. You will give much. It will be poured into your hands and more than you can ever hold. Uh, you will be given so much that it will spill into your lap. The way you give to others is the way God will give to you. 
The proverb writer says, some people will give freely and gain more. Others refuse to give and end up with less. Give freely and you'll profit. Help others and you will gain even more for yourself. And the apostle Paul put this in the book of Philippians. He says, you know, my God will use his glorious riches to give you everything that you need. He will do this through Christ Jesus. So when you're blessed, when the idea of being a blessing, a curse be blessed to a blessing to, I call this the blessed to be the blessing mantra, to be in the best you, to be in the best me. Can we just appreciate that what we have, number one. Number two, recognize that we are blessed. And number three, share the blessings with others. There it is. This last week, one of my, um, somebody came to my office and dropped this. This is in the uh, Daily Sun. And it says, um, uh, he's 91, but won't stop running. And he actually, this guy, his name is um, Le- Lewis Russ. And so here's Lewis Russ, 91 years old, running the race last year, last week with me. Amazing, still going, still boldly going. You know what I love about that guy? Here's the interesting thing. You know you're good because every single time you run a race, you know that you're gonna win your age division because you're the only one in it, Okay. <laughs> want to be that guy. At 91, I hope and pray that I'm going to have be blessed to still be running marathons at 91. I want to be like Russ, right? So where did we, where did we first hear that little phrase about boldly going? Okay, well, may, let me show you a couple, a picture of, does anybody remember Captain Kirk and Spock? All right, you remember watching Star Trek, right? Maybe many of us, you know, I grew up with Star Trek and many of y'all were, remember watching that maybe with your kids and so forth. And so what was the tagline when you watched Star Trek? And part of the tagline was to boldly go where no man has ever gone before. So I don't know if you realize this, but William Shatner, a.k.a. Captain Kirk, you know, for years and years and years, he pretended to be an astronaut, right? But what's interesting, the other day, he actually became one. At the age of 90, right? So Russ was running half marathons with me last week. He's 91. But, but William Shatner actually became an, a true blue astronaut at the age of nine. He literally, truly had a chance to boldly go where he always maybe dreamt that he would do back in his 30s when he was playing this kind of fictitious role. But he actually became an astronaut the other day. Matter of fact, I thought it was really interesting. He was being interviewed. And I want to show you one minute clip of him being interviewed recently on the, on the, uh, in, on the Today Show. So let me roll this. I thought that was a really interesting interview that he gave and how the perspective he talked about when he was in space. He, um, the imagery that he used was about life and death. And he used the imagery of like this outer space of all this darkness being associated with death. But he said when he looked back to earth and he saw the light, he associated that with life. No wonder Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And so, you know, was it, I thought this was kind of funny. When he was being interviewed, he talked about, he says, you know what? All the other people are throwing Skittles at each other and floating around and doing somersaults. He says, I want to look out the window is what he said. I didn't want to miss anything. And then it was this, he didn't mention this in this particular interview, but I did pull this up and this is what he said after he, this is after literally when he had finally got back to earth and he was being interviewed. He says, I hope I never recover from this. I hope that I can maintain what I feel now. I don't want to lose it. So I I put my top five uh, takeaways from Captain Kirk's flight. If you ain't dead, you ain't done. All those years on TV, he was pretending to be an astronaut. And he finally became a real true astronaut. Number three is all the times when he said, beam me up, Scotty. Captain Kirk finally got beamed up. 
uh, how that experience profoundly changed his life, evidently, according to that quote. And here's number five. Shouldn't we accept, shouldn't accepting Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior change our lives just as profoundly forever? Jesus is all about life and the the gift of life after death. Two words, life and death. You know what I thought was really interesting when he was describing that little blue skin thing, I mean, that part of the atmosphere, the, I guess that's the ozone, what he's referring to, but I thought, you know what, what's, if you go back in the Bible, you find it there. Uh, so this is how it's described in the book of Genesis. So God made the dome and separated the waters that were under the dome from the waters that were above the dome, and it was so. And God said, let there be light in the dome of the sky to separate the dough from the light from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for the days and the years and let them be lights in the dome of the sky to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And so I thought it was really interesting that whole imagery that, you know, the idea about how fragile life is that how you know that little bitty as he called the blue skin separates life and death and darkness and light it's the question that i'm presenting to us today do we think about how fragile life and how fragile the earth is but the ultimately how fragile our lives in and and so we think about do you really know the best you that you were created to be and so when we think about this paul gives us these wonderful qualities. And you and I love about these qualities? They're qualities of God. I mean, this is, when you think about the imagery that Paul lays out for us, he says, you know, listen, you don't want to be a curse. And he talks about all those, and he outlines all these other things, envy and lust and and going down this road. But he says, let's put on and let's take on these qualities because these are the qualities when you look at the face of Jesus Christ, and what he embodied in life, this is what Jesus was all about. So he talks about love, he talks about joy, he talks about peace. Matter of fact, let's just say them, and maybe they can put these up on the screen, so, but the fruit of the Spirit is, can you repeat this with me? Is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control against such these things, there is no law. Okay, so these are the fruit of the Spirit. So let me just let me just teach real quick. Um, so Paul talks, and he's talking to the. Um, let me give you a little biblical, a little bit of a biblical background. Paul's talking to the church of Galatia. Now I think we got a map up here. So here's a picture of Galatia. So Galatia is really not a town. Galatia is a region. And so you see all those little blue lines and the pink lines and the red lines. So those are like the three different missionary journeys that Paul took. And guess what? He went right through Galatia over and over again. There he is, right? And so what's, the, what's going on here is that Paul's writing, and if you go to the 13 and 14 chapters of the book of Acts, you can once again find this part of his life being described there in the book of Acts as he's writing to back to the church of Galatia. And so um, there's this tension going on between Paul and his theology of teaching about grace and teaching about hope and teaching about having faith in Jesus Christ against the law. Now, in the Jewish tradition, there are 613 laws. And so it was all about the law and upholding the law. And if you didn't uphold the law, then, you know, the idea that you were really following God. And so 
Paul is, is trying to give them, and he says, listen, the law is really not bad. We still need the law, but it's not, you're not going to have salvation through the law. Salvation comes through the Messiah. And the Messiah's name is Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, we, you guys crucified him. But he came back to life. And we have the gift of the resurrection. Do you hear this? Okay, so Paul has got this tension. So we have the, the Jewish faith that he was up against. And then he had the, the Messianic Christians, the Jewish Christians who, once again, were all caught up in the law. And so Paul was going and teaching this message of hope and love and deliverance and, and sanctification and justification and, and, and the idea of that you can't earn your way to heaven. You can't buy your way to heaven. You can't do enough good deeds to be able to get to heaven. You, you can't follow the law enough to get to heaven. This is our theology as Christians. So Paul lays this all out for them and says, listen, your ticket to heaven has everything to do with your faith and belief in Jesus Christ and realizing the grace that Christ has poured out upon us to be able to give us redemption. So he goes off, so you have the law over here and you've got grace and mercy of Jesus Christ and salvation over here. And they're clashing. They're butting heads. So the book of Galatians about when Paul goes and he's writing, he's pretty miffed because what's happening is he would go and preach at all these towns and usually end up in jail, by the way. And he would go and preach. And guess what would happen when he would leave? These other people would go and try to undo everything that he had just taught. How frustrating would that be? Right? So you pour out all your heart and all your teaching and you're, and you're gaining some momentum. Your churches are growing. Things, good things are happening. They're actually listening. And there may be some truth to this and they're buying into it. And then all of a sudden some come, somebody comes in and sabotages the whole thing. And so this is what we find in the way Paul is writing to the church of Galatians. He's saying, hey, listen, don't buy into the light. What I'm teaching you really is the truth. And so Paul is trying to kind of thread this needle between what we call legalism or idea of, of grace. There's this, this theme as Paul kind of lays out. He says, listen, and once again, they're all focused about the, 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 the covenant God established with Abraham and the Old Testament and it had to do with circumcision. And Paul says, no, you don't know what, because some of them are thinking, do I really want to have to go through all that? And then Paul says, it's not about circumcision, it's about baptism. That's a whole new way of thinking. It's not just about that, it really is about this. And so, once again, they were trying to undo all this. And so Paul's teaching this theology about love and grace and hope and loving God and loving your neighbor and loving yourself. And salvation doesn't come to the law, but salvation comes to the grace of Jesus Christ. And amen on that. And so they're clashing. They're, all this is going on. And so Paul is trying to kind of thread the needle between all this. And so there are basically three different camps when it comes to this idea about rules. And so once again, I, I love Jesus and it's all about following all the rules. And I think at one point, John Wesley and Martin Luther would have fallen into that. We call that somewhat illegalism. Or uh, uh, here's the other one we call self-indulgence. I love Jesus, but I, really, I don't want to have to follow any rules at all. And that was what we call self-indulgence. And then what Paul is trying to get at, there's got to be some kind of balance between the law and, and following some kind of structure and moral compass that we have in life and not just being self, self-indulging in our lives. And so I, I love Jesus and I'm willing to follow him. There's more to Jesus than just following the rules and not following the rules. And we call that grace and forgiveness. So there's legalism versus grace. There's self-indulgence versus sacrifice. There's love and grace and sacrifice. And so Paul's trying to feather all the needle. 
And so we come to this little part, and I just read it a minute ago, and he says, you know what, I'm, so be guided by the Spirit, and you won't carry out your selfish desires. And the selfish desires, the little translation there, is flesh. And so the idea here about flesh, it's all about, once again, it's all about me. This is what Paul's teaching. So when it's all about me, you fall into trap about being envy and lust and self-indulgence and idolatry and all these other things. He categorizes all those in the fifth chapter of Galatians. He says, okay, so he says the, the flesh has to do with subabsorbing and doing what I want to do. I love this quote from the Rick Warren's book. Matter of fact, I, I think I'm going to come back and do a sermon series on this again. I did one many, about maybe 10, 15 years ago. I can't remember if I did it here or at my other church. That Rick Warren wrote a book called Purpose Driven Life. Anybody read it? Okay. He only sold about like 50 or 80 million copies of it. Okay. The opening line. I think it's the best line in the whole book. Ready? It's not about you. <laughs> best line of the book. It, that's the opening line. It's not about you. And that's exactly, that's exactly what Paul is talking about. It's not about you. It's not fulfilling your own desires. And so he says, okay, he sets this up. And then he says, okay, wait a minute. So it's not this. It's not about the flesh. It's not all about you. It's not about you being self-absorbed and all these, the counterbalance of all that. He lays all those things, these kind of curses that he, you can have in your life. You want to be a blessing or a curse? So you have the curse here. And he says, oh, by the way, here's the counterbalance. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And why do we take these on? It's because they are the attributes of Jesus Christ and we follow him. Amen? Okay, so real quick, let me just teach real quick on these three things. And let me give you a little Greek. So the first word is love and the word in the Greek there is agape. Okay, and so agape is this self-sacrificial love. It's not thinking about me, but it's this, the idea of God, agape has everything to do with thinking about others. And Paul, remi- uh, Jesus reminds his disciples, he talks about having this, they will know that you're a followers of me or disciples of me by the way that you love and love each other. And so this idea of sacrificial love is what we see in the cross of Jesus Christ, agape. And this is exactly the type of love that Paul's talking about. And so, you know, I started thinking about a couple of examples of that this last week and idea of love. And, and one of them actually came from the Olympics. And so um, I, I wrote this down and it's this uh, cute little couple that um, were actually, um, there's, let me see if I can find it there. If you maybe, um, you can put that, that little baby up on the screen. So this is, um, this is uh, Caitlin and her la- brand new little boy, Astrid, and their, her husband, Leif, was on the Olympic team and he was competing what I thought was really interesting, matter of fact, if you look in the top right-hand corner, you see a, a guy in the red shirt, his name is Leaf. And, and so um, the only problem was that she gave birth while he was at the Olympics. Now, listen, here's the deal. They knew that she was probably going to give birth, but you know what? We talk about sacrifice. I mean, uh, uh, this is their first child, but, you know, Leaf's been training for the Olympics his whole life. And she basically said, honey, you need to go. Now, that to me was sacrifice to give birth to her first child. And so he was able to kind of, I guess he was able to zoom in or they did, you know, FaceTime or something. So he was there, but he wasn't there, right? Sacrifice. And I, I love that kind of, you know, that the idea, there's a, there's a pretty deep level of that kind of love. 
Then I thought about my aunt and uncle. I got a picture of my aunt and uncle. And I, you know, I really, my uncle passed away just at the beginning of COVID. And that's my uncle Bill and my aunt Margie. This is actually taken about 15, 18 years ago at my church in Boynton Beach. And um, that, that little, um, back behind the, the golden cross, there's another little beam there. And that's the cross that we, that was my grand, my uncle actually went and cut down a cherry tree in Paintlet, Kentucky on his property and took the wee wood beams we brought them and shipped them all the way down to Boynton Beach and we made the old rugged cross that's still in that church today. It came from our, church, my family's, our family's church, uh, property. So we were celebrating that that day. And what I love about their love, what I really appreciated about them, is when my uncle passed away, my Aunt Margie was evidently in a bedroom. They were in assisted living. My Aunt Margie's still alive. And they're, I think they're, uh, she's 92. My uncle was like, I think 93 when he passed away. So his, her, his bed was right here. And I think her chair or her bed was right here. And so in the middle of the night, evidently he died. And she's told my cousin and she says, Mary Ruth, I just wished, I just wish I could have been holding his hand when he died. And then Mary said, mama, you've been holding his hand for 72 years. I'll never forget how my aunt would hold her, hold my uncle's face. This is after they've been married 70 years and she would hold his face in her hands and tell him how much she adored him. Now that's agape love. Yeah. And Paul says that's the type of love that we need to have for each other and our love for, for God, that that kind of love. Uh, and here's the second word. Is the second word has to do with joy. And the Greek word there for joy is the word kara. And, and the word kara ultimately has everything to do with the idea of choice. In other words, you can make a choice of, and it's not so much about happiness. It's about finding joy and a deeper sense of joy in your life, even despite your circumstances. By the way, when Paul writes about this, he's typically writing about it, and even when he's in jail, and even waiting for execution. And he's talking about still having joy in his life. By the way, the, the word, the derivative, uh, the root of the word uh, kira is also, we have the word keras. And Kiras also has a huge deal with the idea of grace. Matter of fact, when you talk about the word, um, uh, the word love, Jesus used it, I think, 216 times over and over again about, uh, about, get, about love. But the word grace, it taken, it's actually taken from the word kira, and it's called kiras. So we have choosing this. It's not just about happiness, but choosing to have joy in your life, even in the midst of your circumstances. The idea of having grace in your life and choosing to have grace in your life is the word care that Paul uses. And then the third derivative of that word has to do with, ready? Eucharista. And Eucharista is where we get the word from the Eucharist. The word is actually inside the word Eucharista. C-H-A-R-I-S-T. And, and the word there means being grateful. So when Jesus takes the bread and he blesses the bread and he gives thanks. So when you think about those three key words that Paul gives us today, he talks about love, agape love, but he also talks about joy and having joy and choosing joy, but it has to do with grace and it has to do with being grateful for what you have. Hence the reason why the other day when that lady last Sunday morning about the same time put her, well, she put that little 
metal around my neck. And I was just so grateful. I was grateful to be alive. Grateful that I have a family. Grateful that I could run again. Grateful that God is so good to me that I can be so blessed. And never take it for granted. And the last word there, so you have love and you joy, and then you have the word peace. And, and the word peace there in the Greek literally means, once again, to, to tie it all together. The peace that goes beyond all understanding in our lives, as Paul describes this. And, and so the idea that this deeper inner sense of peace that Christ continues to bring us and sinners in our lives and brings it all together full circle in our lives. This peace that we can have, the peace that goes beyond all understanding that Paul describes. So we have joy. We have love, and we've got peace. There's the first three. And the question is, are we going to take those? All right, here's the thought. Are we going to boldly take those? Are we boldly taking those and applying to our lives that we can be the best you and I can be the best me that God has created us to be? We can be a blessing or we can be a curse. As simple as that. So listen, you don't really need a, I don't know, you don't need a 22-year-old who can do a frontside triple cork 1440 to tell you that. You don't need, you don't need a, a 90-year-old astronaut to tell you that. You don't need a 91-year-old uh, runner who ran the marathon. Like You don't need a 58-year-old preacher to tell you that. <laughs> you know what you need? You need a guy by the name of the Apostle Paul who, by the way, would have been, I think, 2013 years old today, or around that time. He was born in 5 AD. Yeah. To tell us the good news. And the good news is that we're to boldly go and follow those. Love, joy, and peace. Let's go.